Welcome to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam with Nick and Keith. And fellas, we're recording here on the heels of an afternoon win over the Blues. But uh, I-, I don't really know where else we can start. But with the guy who has two hat tricks in the last three games, Nick uh, Austin Matthews. What do you say at this point? Guy is still on pace. First, now 75 goals. Now it's not even a 70 goal campaign. It's 75 for Christ's sake. Yeah, it just like keeps getting more ridiculous. And I think that's kind of the overwhelming feeling when, you, when you're watching and he just keeps firing the puck in the net at this ridiculous pace. There, there's just really not a whole lot to say at, at this point except sit back and enjoy because we really are witnessing greatness. I, I Yeah, it, it's a treat to watch. And the way that he's getting it done, he, he's been like a – a bit more diverse in the way that he's putting the puck in the net this year. I think the, the one timer has become an even bigger weapon for him than it was in the past. And he's just, he's finding the puck around the net in every situation. And as we saw today, he only needs one opportunity where, you know, one clear look at the net and it's in the back of the net. So yeah, just uh, been a joy to watch. Yeah. You kind of keep running out of ways to, kind of put it into perspective or, or, or kind of just understand what he's doing. But a new one popped up for me today where you're talking about, you know, kind of almost feeling like a lock for 70. And in order to do that, he has to pretty much finish the year at a 60 goal pace, which or 59 or something like that, which is crazy that a 59 goal pace <laughs> for 29 games seems like a certainty, but like, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Like there's new things all the time where you're just like, and like he's, he's still finding new ways to score which is crazy because i thought he did that like kind of capped out on that four years ago it's yeah it's constant that he you know he does something that kind of you know makes the jaw drop a little bit but he's doing more than that right like the the defensive game that pass he made to set up knives for the opening goal today like he's just he's been everything for this team and you said it before we started recording cam like he just keeps winning games for this team yeah at at night after night like so so this was the first of four games on the road here for the Leafs. They're not home again until the 27th. And I I propose that they just award Matthews the rocket in a pregame ceremony that night. <laughs> like, this is this is a wrap, man. It's insane. Keith, you said, you know, uh, new ways to put it in context. Here's one for you. Like, we all agree this is the best season of William Nylander's career, bar none, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's 20 goals behind Matthews. Like, <laughs> it's not even March yet. Well, I think it was Joey Ferg on Twitter today, uh, the notorious shirt maker of Leafs Twitter. He said something like, you know, there were years where you'd be begging to have a player on the Leafs hovering around 30 goals in February. And we've got a guy who's ready to pot his 50th of the year. And it, it's, yeah, it really is only a matter of time could happen in Arizona on Wednesday night when he's back in his home state. I'm sure that'll be a nice moment for him. But it, it's just, it's ridiculous, the numbers that this guy is putting up. And it, it's its almost like where Nylander was the story for the first bit of the season, I think Matthews has pretty clearly taken over as, you know, that's the leading narrative around this team is just the, the insane pace at which he's putting the puck in the net and the, the chase for now 75. Crazy. The defensive game is coming along too, which I think at the beginning of the year maybe wasn't what we were, you know, fully used to seeing, but at the same time, still always very, you know, where, where he needs to be on the ice to make plays happen and on the defensive side of the puck too. But 
along with kind of some of the, the team's defensive play. And I think he's obviously the one drives it. He drives everything on the team, but everybody's starting to look a little bit better defensively. And I think obviously he leads the charge there too. So it's not just him putting pucks in the neck, like you said earlier, Nick, which he's obviously doing at a freakish pace. But I think, I mean, we don't really need to get into the whole heart conversation yet or, or debate, but like he's forcing his way into it. If though. you talk about the, like the, the definition of being valuable to the team, as opposed to just being the most outstanding player, I, I don't know how, you know, if you use like the Taylor Hall precedent from years ago and, and kind of just that that's a constant back and forth on what the definition should be. But if you take him off this team, are like, yeah, I, I don't oh. <laughs> they're, they're, it's ugly. They're, they're, they're in the lottery talk, man. Like it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. They, they need that uh, contribution every night and they are getting it, man. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, it, it would be really cool to see him get it against Arizona. Hasn't yeah. really had the, the best luck against them. I think only th- uh, three goals. I was looking at this yesterday, only three goals in six games in Arizona. So to get the 50th would be, would be nice for, oh, for yeah, him. He's, he's only got a half a goal per game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, that is, I know, remarkably <laughs> below pace. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, and I think that the, the really crazy thing, and we said this a few times, and I mean, it's, it's becoming less true each week, but like, it, it's, it, I mean, obviously he's on an incredible run of form right now, but it, it still feels like it's not quite the top gear, you know? Like, it's, it, like, there's not many guys that can get you a hat trick on a B night, and he's done it a few times. Yeah, well, I, I kind of took some flack during the Philly game last week, um, right after he scored his first goal, because I, I thought, well, the, the entire team was complete dog shit in the first twenty minutes against the Flyers there. But I thought, you know, Matthews was was a big part of that as well. He was just managing the puck really poorly, just not getting anything done, firing it into you know sticks and feet around the front of the net, and just kind of making hope plays. And then, you know, he could have a dog night and just go fire one in the net. It just so happened that he went and fired three in the net in the span of eight minutes and just completely flipped the game on its ear. So you're absolutely right, Cam. He doesn't even have to be going at the top of his game to really take over a game. And that's just a a testament to the talent that he is. Just a treat. God damn. What, what can you say? Uh, and, yes. and a good game against the Blues. Um, you know, he had another one in, in, in this one. Um, and I mean, again, like it's, you know, it's Matthews and it's Nylander and they kind of break it open for you in a game where the Leafs really carried the play. And I was getting frustrated. It was like, you just bury these guys. Like these guys are, they stink and they're not executing. So, so what's going on? Why is this not for nothing? So it was, it was the most Monday afternoon game imaginable for, for a good, for a good chunk of it. It was definitely a sleepy game, but I did like how the Leafs just kind of, stuck with their game plan and didn't really overextend themselves. We've seen them kind of show that frustration and start taking more chances at times in the past. And I don't think they did that against the blues at all today. They just, that's, when the, that's when the sloppy blue line play starts to kick yeah. in. Like just like plays around both blue lines start to get messy when they start pushing too hard. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of goals either way are created off of those plays at the blue line, whether you're able to execute or fail to execute. So yeah, I thought they did a good job today and especially with kind of, uh, I don't know if you guys want to get into this right now, but a bit of a skeleton crew on the back end. Yeah. I mean, let's go there. Like it, it obviously Morgan Riley continues to serve his suspension. Um, it's ridiculous what their record is without Riley. In the last <laughs> know, poor guy. It is bizarre for sure. <laughs> 
Um, but they've held up nicely. Uh, Marshall Riffey making his NHL debut on the back end. Uh, you know, didn't notice him a whole lot. And when I did, I thought he looked pretty good. So I guess that's uh, about as good as a, a debut as you can hope for. Um, but I mean, yeah, they're, they're really... Uh, they're really patching it together back there right now, and, and it's looking pretty good. Simone Benoit, oh, another man. Oh, great man. outing. I know it doesn't. You know, I know you don't really need to worry about resigning him. He's RFA at the end of the year, but like, man, I love. I would love that tweet to come across right now that they locked him up for two more years or something like that. Like he's every game he destroys at least one guy and then finishes four or five really hard checks, and and not just like running around and, and putting himself out of position and, and, you know, a bunch of pucks in the back of the net. Like he's playing well too. And, yeah. but he's, I mean, he's obviously a no frills guy. It's off the glass and out. It's, it's quick, short outlet passes and stuff. But like, how long have we cried for something like that? Like that's, that's all that this team really kind of needs on the back end. Just get it up to the forwards. But man, the, the, every game there's, there's a highlight real hit open ice along the boards. He's, he's awesome to watch. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this a few times on the show, but the, the biggest thing that stands out for me with Benoit is just that he knows what he is and he doesn't try to overextend himself. Yeah. Plays within his skill set. He like, he really knows what he is and leans into it. And I think he's just getting more and more comfortable as of late and it's really starting to show i mean talking about the contract i don't think he's going to get any cheaper at this point like he's he's pretty well established as an important member of this team right now uh i I don't see any scenario where he's not in the lineup come the postseason you know assuming he's healthy of course um but yeah he's he's just really formed a nice pairing with jake mccabe i think they play well off of each other and it's just little things like using his reach, taking away lanes, angling guys properly to the boards. And then when he gets that opportunity to really finish someone, he does it as he did today against uh, Pavel Buchnevich off the rush. That was just a, a really nice open ice hit. And for as much crap as we've, you know, everybody collectively and rightfully so have given Brody this year um, for his play, he's looked phenomenal lately. Like I, I know it's co- it's coincided with moving to the left side too, which is obviously another key point to think about moving forward but just further emphasizes what the real need is for this team right ahead of the trade deadline. which is a right right side defenseman for sure like he if he if you can get him on the left side and, and that pair with Lilligren makes sense and now you're looking at the McCabe and Benoit pair rounding into form and it making sense getting somebody to play with Riley on the right side and preferably a right-handed shot defenseman, not another Brody yeah. that can play the right side as much as I have talked about Alexiak being a guy that I'd love to see them shake loose but still i i mean ideally it's a right yeah right shot defenseman that you can pair with riley because the other two pairs are kind of making a ton of sense right now yeah i mean that should seal it right with brody like you know i i mean obviously he he had great success on the right side at yeah. the peak of his powers but that's not where he is anymore and, and yeah like the, he's playing at a handicap that's all it so i mean now it seems like he's at the point where you know if he can still give you that kind of performance on the left side that's where you gotta play him yeah the problem is he is still the best option on the right side with Riley, and that's just why that spot on the roster really needs to be addressed. If they if they want to really solidify this decor and get it kind of settled into something that makes sense on all three pairs. But I think I think what you saw last year with the way that Riley played with Luke Shen, and we all love Luke Shen, but we all know what Luke Shen is. And I think yeah. that that just means you don't necessarily need to go empty the cupboards for a guy unless no, you just unless need to get the right term, template the right, right? unless you can get somebody with with a couple more years like we've you know we've all kind of talked about the rasmus anderson thing kind of like the, the oh, whole run, right but let's talk about you, rasmus <laughs> you know like there, there just needs to be somebody 
that, you know, makes Moe's life easier and, you know, just does what Chen did last year. I, I want a detour here because I mean, <laughs> we, we, we just have to go there. We, we've talked about Rasmus Sanderson yeah. in the past. He was definitely a target when he was like not even quite yet emerging in the league. And, you know, you, you saw kind of the numbers and, and saw what he could be. And he has basically become just that he's got a nasty side to him. He can move the puck. Like he is just what you need on that right side. Like what's your walkaway point for this Nick? Yeah. Because I mean, you know, <sighs> there's not a lot of stuff that I, I would take off the table if Rasmus Anderson is coming back. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a huge Rasmus Anderson fan have been for a long time. It would be tough to really take much of anything off the table as far as assets that aren't on the, the current roster. I mean, it, you probably don't throw knives into that conversation, but maybe uh, as far as what's not on the roster right now, I think I'd be hard pressed to, to move Easton Cowan with what he's doing this season, but you're, you're talking about a legitimate kind of, at the very least top four potential top pairing kind of guy who's under contract at a nice number for a couple of years, three, three playoff runs this year and two more. Yeah. I, I think it's unlikely that Calgary moves him, uh, especially given the fact that they're kind of shipping everything else out. That's not nailed down. Um, but like if he does become available and he's on the market, that's the kind of player you start talking about. Okay. Our first rounder this year, maybe a player like Fraser Minton, you know, you're, you're getting into that neighborhood of giving up a package of premium assets, and I think it would have to be something the Leafs would really, really have to consider, just given you know what a player like Rasmus Anderson would mean to this lineup. Does it take more, like value wise, than what it took to get Muzzin? That's the yeah, that's the kind of tricky thing for me. Is I wouldn't want to go the same age, right? When they when they got them, and I wouldn't want to yeah. go too far beyond that kind of package that they gave up for Muzzin or something resembling that at least. But, you know, it, it's a different market. Um, it, it is a different player. The right-handed thing does matter does, yeah. as much as as much as you might not want it to. Because um, Dursey obviously flourished, but he, like, and he's looked great as an NHLer, but he wasn't, he was just a prospect that was kind of like... Yeah, but re- remember, Toronto was willing to give up Lilligren in that package, and Los Angeles said they wanted Dursey instead. Right. And, you know, I mean, kudos to them, because I, I think Dursey has kind of leapt or leaped over Lilligren in terms of, you know, his overall impact as an NHLer at this point, not to say Lilligren won't get there. Ideally Lilligren kind of turns into something like Rasmus Anderson someday, maybe not with, or maybe without the the same kind of snarl or whatever that, uh, that Anderson has. But yeah, uh, it's going to cost a lot if you're able to pry that guy out of Calgary. Lilligren Cowan in a first. Uh, Yeah. I'd have to think long and hard about it. It would be really hard to pass up on that. It's one of those things that you'd be like, ah, and then he'd play one game and you wouldn't care. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's been so long since the the Leafs have kind of drafted and developed a a player like Cowan has the potential to be. You know, this guy is a real firecracker, could be a bit of a heart and soul guy with with a lot of jam and offensive punch and stuff like that, who would be cost controlled. You know, obviously you get a little attached to your own team's prospects and that's where the tough decisions come in for a GM. That's why they make the big bucks. They can't have that kind of 
emotional attachment to to young players and and things like that but yeah it it would be tough to walk away from that offer if you're able to get anderson for that price i keep kind of thinking about cowan is kind of like our potential like haggle type of player and it makes it makes me never want to trade him but i think you'd maybe want to maybe want to try to talk minton into that spot of cam's proposed trade just because yeah i do that in a heartbeat i I think yeah Yeah, the ceiling is obviously the ceiling is obviously lower with minton but he is a center which obviously i know cowan's played some center too right but i think mostly wing with london this year which is really weird because the the leafs use him pretty much exclusively down the middle kind of feels like he'll be a winger i mean i'm not a prospect projector guy but it just kind of has that feel to it whereas minton seems like a lock middle six center that's going to be you know responsible and maybe get you know 40 or 50 points or something like that whereas haggle or sorry where cowan kind of has that higher ceiling explosiveness to him that it just would be really fucking tough to give up on yeah we got to talk about bobby mcmahon (laughs) i mean yeah hat trick last week Another two against Anaheim. I mean, that was, you know, that was... That a, was a fun game, though, wasn't it? Like, didn't it really feel like the Leafs needed one like that? I haven't had many of those yeah. this year. It, it kind of a, a feel-good night, cookie night for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and back, not to derail the McMahon conversation to go back to Matthews, but, like, just Matthews looking almost embarrassed to score his hat trick in that game was so funny, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just, he looks, he looks miserable when he scores goals sometimes, which is so funny to me. But anyways, yeah, McMahon, he... He just, I don't know, man, he just looks the part. Like, he just looks like that kind of prototypical power forwardy kind of player. And you got to be careful to not get too high on a guy who really had done nothing in his, you know, year and pro or NHL career up until now. But even saying that, there's been glances or like glimpses of him, you know, using the body to come off the boards. And like, he, he has had these little flashes where you're like, oh, that's interesting. And his speed's obviously really good. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's clicking for him now and pucks are going in the net and obviously you take notice a little bit more, but I'd love to see him continue to get, you know, three or four more minutes of ice time every game than what he was getting before and just kind of see if he can keep this up. I mean, he's, I think he's up to close to like a 20 goal pace on 82 games now, obviously, you know, you, you take the hat trick out, which isn't really fair to do, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's been a cluster lately that's driven that number up, but he looks Oh, it looks like there's something there. It, it kind of just feels like he's starting to get rewarded for things that he was already doing, though, right? Like doing a lot it, of the right things all year. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's hard to put up numbers when you're playing mostly alongside David Camp and Ryan Reeves, or like even Noah Gregor, right? Who has really struggled over the last couple of months after a, a great start as a Leaf, I thought. But yeah, McMahon is like. He's a, a big body, skates fast, kind of plays in straight lines. It doesn't mind mixing it up physically. Gets in on the forecheck, and he he he's got a goal scorer's instinct, right? Like you look at some of the goals that he scored over this last little stretch. They mentioned it on the broadcast today. These aren't little cheapies that are kind of deflecting in. No, off he, can, more. he can shoot the puck. Man. Yeah, he's getting to spots. He's getting the puck off of his stick, and, and he's finding the twine with it. Like th- this guy, he scored thirty goals in like thirty-one AHL games a season ago or, or two seasons ago. So like, that's say what you will about the American Hockey League. Like a goal a game pace at that level is nothing to sneeze at. So this is a guy who has shown that he can put the puck in the net, and I think. Keith deserves some credit for kind of elevating him a little bit over these last few games and continuing to reward him for his strong play. And I think it's it's just going to 
be of great benefit to the Leafs if this guy is able to kind of grab hold of a role like that and show that he can hang in a top nine situation. Because then it kind of, you know, it, it it balances things out a little better because I've really liked that trio of Bertuzzi, Domi, and Robertson when they've gotten together a couple of times over the last week or so. And you just, you kind of just need someone to fill that other spot until Yarencrow comes back. But as of right now, I think McMahon is the one that's earned that look in the top nine until everyone's healthy again. Yeah. Once again, as we talked about last week, an even nicer empty net goal against, <laughs> yeah. against the Blues. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's looked good and yeah, just, just ride it for all it's worth, right? Um, yeah. If he can, if he can hang there for a bit, like you said, it's, it's, it goes a long way, uh, especially if you run into injuries down the road. Yeah, and even if he's a guy who's lining up on your fourth line in the postseason, you know, if you're not running Ryan Reeves out there every night in the playoffs, which I, I can't see happening, no. uh, you know, you might be able to get a little bit of juice out of that fourth line with a guy like Bobby McMahon on the wing, someone who can make plays around the net, someone who can fire it in from distance, beat goalies cleanly. It, it, he's he's really looking like a nice find for the Leafs and Holmberg's looked pretty good lately too so i mean like that fourth yeah. line is starting to kind of take shape and i don't know if it's you know it's probably camp i think that that finishes it out and that that's you're probably feeling pretty good okay about that as your fourth line going into the playoffs at least i would too right like knowing yeah. you got yarn croak coming back um i haven't really heard anything of him i have no idea when he's coming back but yeah i mean that's you, you would feel good about that line you know getting some defensive zone starts you're not going to be freaking out if they get caught out against another team's, you know, top six. It's it's a pretty good line to have, and I, I you're right on Reeves. I, 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 you know, barring some sort of like series getting out of hand and him needing to kind of come in and police things, I don't see him sniffing the lineup in the playoffs. But the only time we've really seen Reeves even do that this season, I think, was Saturday night against Anaheim, which I, I do kind of want to talk about that for a second, because how great was it to see Radko Gudis getting punked yeah. all night long? Like, what did he, he finish, like, minus three or minus four? Yeah. And, and just looked like a complete punk every time that anyone other than Max Domi went after him, because, you know, if, if you stand six feet tall, Radko Gudis isn't interested, right? Yeah, all night. And, and, and he's... Just the, the the McMahon goal too. Like he just was so dejected after, and it was beautiful to see. It was theater. Yeah, that was awesome. And I loved Max kind of getting in there. Yeah, and yeah. just you know, even though it's a blowout game, you're not gonna just. It was kind of an extension of the Riley thing with, with Grieg in in my mind, just because it was one of those things where. It wasn't a huge deal, but you're showing them that you're not just going to take that lying down. And, and I had no problem at all with the fact that Max Domi racked up, what, 11 <laughs> minutes in penalties or whatever that night. I, I just I thought he was a pest all night, and they just really punked Gudis all night. It was awesome. Yeah, they've been putting together some pretty nice uh, performances here, and um, I, I mean... You know, not always the prettiest, but again, when when the big guns are coming through, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Bobby McMahon, like what what else can you do? <laughs> I've got a question. Was Austin Matthews' most impressive goal of the season the one that broke Tyler Bertuzzi's drought? <laughs> yeah, you could just see him, man. He was like almost just like quarterbacking the play, just like you go there. I'm going to like, it just, it was, it was, it, get it, like, somewhere it happened, that I can bounce this off of you. It like happened in slow motion. It was crazy. You, it, it was funny because like, you remember a couple of years ago when Matthews was chasing 60 and in those last few games of the year, just like 
they were telegraphing everything to him. It was so clear that everyone was just looking for 34. I thought it was like really similar to that on that power play when Matthews had the puck on the on the half wall there and saw Bertuzzi out front. He's like, he was not going to be denied. He was getting Bertuzzi on the board there. It was, it was really great to see. Yeah, same thing as Willie getting 40 last year. It was just yeah, <laughs> every you know just the only focus on the ice and he, like you know, coming off of him just ringing one off the bar too, and it just felt like it was going to happen that shift. And then sure enough, like 10 seconds later. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And like, again, I don't know. I've, I've been a bit of found myself becoming like a Bertuzzi apologist, but I, I don't mind his game and I didn't mind it even when he wasn't scoring. And like, obviously he's got a score for making five and a half million dollars, but it's not like he wasn't getting chances. It's not like he's not impacting the game. He's just, he was the most snake bitten player I've ever seen for the last, however many games. So I think the thing that was really hurting him in that stretch was, when he wasn't scoring despite you know getting chances and generally playing well every once in a while he'd make a boneheaded defensive play or take a stupid penalty but if he's putting the puck in the net you know that offensive zone tripping call kind of washes off his back a little easier right so it's a big thing to get him going and you know hopefully getting on the board against the Ducks on Saturday was just the start of uh, a bunch of them coming for him. Yeah, him and Domi have very much the tendency to make one or two really dumb plays a game. But if they do what they... Like, again, the whole thing with them is see what they do in the playoffs, right? Like, that's what they were brought in for. That's the whole kind of concept of these guys is they're guys that are going to go to the tough areas and, you know, drag out a series win. But, yeah, there's been flashes of the two of them doing things with the puck or away from the puck that haven't been the greatest but you just got to hope with Bertuzzi now that this kind of gets him going clicks a little bit and I think he's probably up with Nylander and Tavares to start the playoffs he that that line has looked good um, for long stretches this year um, but then there's also the the kind of conversation about stretching out the lineup a little bit more but either way it's it's nice to see him get rewarded he's played well um, and he's been getting in on the forecheck really well too. So if you just limit those, those things where Keith just wants to fucking kill him, you can just see him staring through the back of his head on the bench. <laughs> um, obviously that'll help a lot more. Yeah. I, I want to dig more into the, uh, the Bertuzzi and Domi conversations next week because there's, uh, there's lots of fodder there for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll get a little further into that because I, I feel like I'm back and forth on, on what I want to happen with each of them on, mm-hmm. you know, like, a bi-weekly basis but um we're short on time this week so we'll leave that to next time around so on that note you guys want to remember a leaf hell yeah absolutely you guys remember pavel kubina (laughs) oh man i hated that (laughs) i loved it i loved it i loved him in the 04 playoffs when they won the cup I, I he was fantastic and when i didn't know a goddamn thing about hockey and then they changed all the rules and i thought this guy will still be great and he was not <laughs> no it, like super heavy feet right oh yeah yeah and yeah, a heavy like, shot had the, yeah the big shot from the point but I, I, it was like the game kind of passed him by there, there was a lot of players that that seemed to happen to when the, when the first lockout or not the first lockout but the uh, 04 lockout happened and the entire season was lost and you know i think we saw that really up close with the leafs it felt like you know the the entire league had passed them by and they didn't know how to adjust to building a team under the, the salary cap and things like that and 
Yeah, th- I think Cabina was a, a bit emblematic of that as a player. Yeah, definitely a beacon of a not great time to be a Leafs fan for sure. But I don't remember <laughs> him having forty point seasons, and he had two of them. So back to back, got yeah. his points. Got his points. It was it, that first year. I think t- really tainted the the view because you know i feel like you probably look back and think of him as a little injury prone too and he only missed 10 games over those last two seasons but he missed 21 in the first so um yeah he was uh he he did not uh, go quite the way you hoped for sure um not as glowing a a review as last week's remember relief hey no it it, it (laughs) felt a little flatter than the the jeremy williams no jeremy williams i mean listen we set a pretty high bar like it's you're gonna have to go a few few months of shows before we hit that uh, level again on you know we're we're trying but that's you you just can't uh, you can't come up with that kind of organic uh content you know (laughs) guy's still ripping it in the germany division two at age 40 that's that's good stuff that was a great story that we got to uh sent to us Oh yeah, <laughs> I was reading through the yeah. whole thing, and <laughs> Hungry Leafs fan uh, at Hungry Leafs fan tweeted us after after the episode saying that uh, he's a bit of a card collector. Um, had I think yeah, bought up a bunch of Jeremy Williams cards, you know, kind of almost like buying Jeremy Williams stock, yeah. right? Like thinking this guy is gonna gonna pop off and those cards will be worth something someday. Didn't really go that way. And then you know, reached out to his wife. Said his, his wife's an actress. Yeah, yeah. found her on. Yeah, and then right. Reached out and they said, "Oh, that's great." Offered he offered to send it to them. They said, "Great, we'll send you an autographed stick." And just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sent in all the cards. Yeah. Never got nothing in return. So, yeah, not as good of a look for Mister Jeremy Williams no. on this week's episode of Lamenting <laughs> it's uh it's a, a long and winding uh story this this career and this uh yeah if anyone's got any pavel cabina stories make sure to yeah. share them with us on Twitter. yeah absolutely if he like stiffed you on a bill or something we want to know um so we'll, we'll do it again next week uh guys or or in austin matthews goals uh five more five more from now we'll do it again. perfect so so what thursday <laughs> talk to you then